my name is Peter McFadden. I am, since last night, the Mayor of Froome, which is currently what I do, because that seems to take up an inordinate amount of time, although it's a voluntary job. Um, at this level, Froome's uh, council is a parish town council, so it's um, you know, relatively small, sort of million quid a year in budget. Um, and with other hats on, I work for Comic Relief as a development consultant assessing applications. Um, and I also am director of an undertaker, an undertaking firm. So could you tell us the Froome story? Yeah, the, the, the Froome story starts um, four years ago, really, um, in January before a local election. I was the sustainable Froome representative um, who was meant to have a relationship with the town council. Sustainable Froome is a, is a transition town um, uh, equivalent and a member of the transition network and so on. Um, and when I went to the town council, um, their sustainability project, uh, sorry, their sustainability policy uh, consisted of we've got a park. What more do you want? And um, and essentially, I, I found that rather unsatisfactory. And I met a number of other people uh, who were also finding all sorts of other bits of the town council's work unsatisfactory, really because they were missing opportunities rather than that they were particularly evil in any way. It was just they were they they didn't do anything. Um, and then that led, as so often happens, through probably too much beer to, OK, let's try and whip this up a bit, make it more interesting, raise some issues and see if more people will vote. Because like many places, we had not had a lot of wards have not been contested for, for years. Um, and that led to an election in that May, May 2011, with um, where we stood in the Independence of Room, a group of, of, of people stood. Um, we won 10 out of 17 seats and so have an outright majority um, and have you know, continued over the last three years with a fairly, um, well, no, with a very ambitious programme, really, which has at its core a lot of green things because a lot of the people who um, got involved were, were green in everything but politics because we're independent. So why, why independence? It's partly anti-party anti politics because part of the history of Froome was um, party politicians bickering around party issues and spending their time doing party things. So, for instance, you know, a, a lot of quite a, a, a number of the party politicians last night couldn't come to the meeting because they were all off campaigning for, you know, the euro elections, um, things like that. We just felt people at this level in Froome, they should have Froome as the core of their interest and they shouldn't be driven by ideologies that are actually irrelevant and often corrosive, really. Um, at a local level. The, the thing that's slightly different about us is that we do we work as a group of independents, which is not the same as a party. So um, so but we do have a way of working. We set out some sort of rules of behavior, really, um, which which are essentially common sense about uh, except if you if you, you know, if you if you lose a vote, you move on from it um, things like that. Because, again, um, ours and many other councils and councillors get terribly involved in in um, stabbing each other in the back, or, you know, our revenge for previous votes and that kind of thing. And so, so that's probably one of the best examples of where we, we said, OK, let's just we'll work as individual people with individual ideas, but we will work with a common purpose, which is around the betterment of freedom. As part of this month's theme, I, I interviewed Natalie Bennett from the Green Party, and I asked her what her thought was about the 
the role or otherwise of party politics at the very local level. And she said, well, it's really useful because it means you have all of that support of a kind of a party uh, and, you know, advice of policy and all of that sort of immediate profile. Do you see anything to be said for that? Or really, do, do you feel that party politics really just has no place at the local level? It does more harm than good. I think it does more harm than good. I think you can pick and choose. I've had some really, really interesting discussions in the last few weeks with the um, parliamentary, the, the well, I've forgotten what this term is, the, the prospective parliamentary candidate. That's it for the um, for the Tories in the in the next few. Uh, he, you know, he, he's the guy who's going to stand for the Tories in the next election. If I was a Labour politician, I probably wouldn't feel I could do that, or he wouldn't want to see me. Um, I think I think it's really important to be able to pick and choose, and and the vast majority of what Natalie was talking about just wouldn't be relevant um, at a parish town level. Um, so what are the things that you've been able to do? One of the things that's really interesting in the book, I think, is is how you set out the um, that there are powers that town councils have that they may not know about, which you've 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 taken full advantage of. We have. I mean, so some of that, that it comes from localism. We were very lucky at the beginning of Independence of Room to have some really key people who were involved in the in the new localism act um, as it was created um, and to be able to sort of tip us off on, on what might be, be useful. So there are powers through which local communities can try and buy land, can um, do things in a way which they didn't used to be able to, particularly around, <laughs> well, essentially what you had to do before was what was in a list and the list was sort of dog shit, bus shelters, um, you know, and, and, and at our level, very, very limited. What we've met, what we've now d- done is to break out from that and we can now do anything which isn't illegal. So uh, other than apparently um, form an army. So other, other than other than create an army, anything that's legal, we can do it, which means we've been able to, for instance, borrow significant sums of money um, in order to do up buildings or to um, create opportunities, which we wouldn't have um, been able to do and, and wouldn't have had the ambition to do certainly. So I have to say I'm very relieved to hear that you aren't able to form an army in Froom. That's 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 a great relief. Um, <laughs> so so w- what are some of the things that you've done? I know you've done some work around allotments and you've you've been looking at uh, sort of bringing assets into community ownership. I think what are some of the yep. things that you've been able Correct. to do? Yeah, so we're just about to um to bring a significant uh, asset into community ownership. We um agreed last night to pursue. Um, the purchase of what will become a, a, a major community hub. This is an, an ex-Somerset County Council building um, that we're going to buy with yet another loan. These loans, incidentally, will add up to about 10% of the paying of them off will be about 10% of our budget. So so it's actually, it's not in in, in a, at all significant, well, it's significant, but it's not, a, it's not a problem. But it's just not something that was done before. The allotments was an interesting combination of the council combining with um, a local... Um, a donor who who wanted to support Froome, so we were able to use his money to buy some land and then um, and then add council money to that to to get rid of a, a ten year waiting list overnight. A lot of what we've done actually is to up the sort of buzz of Froome, though. So there's now a very large um, market in the town, a very by, which closes the whole middle of well all of the streets in the centre of Froome, brings thousands of people in um, once a month in a very much a sort of European style market. And again, that's happened because we, the town councils combined with local entrepreneurs, with the district council to do all the road closing and so on. Um, and we've done that partly by 
the, the, the nature of the people who we've attracted to the council. I think, you know, in many ways, it's not it's not very tangible. But one of the main things we've done is to massively simplify the structure. So there were sort of five layers of council of sort of uh, management. There's now three. There were a plethora of meetings. There's now two main ones and sort of there's then two count, uh, two committees. Um, and, and with that sort of cleanness, we seem to have been able to attract staff who would definitely not have worked for local councils before. So we've got some really, really good people who come with a, um, a different outlook, I think. I don't mean that negatively about those that were um, there before particularly, but they've brought in ideas and sort of upped the whole game in that kind of way. You mentioned localism and the localism bill uh, gives communities some very interesting powers it didn't have before. What do you see as being the the opportunities that localism presents and also perhaps some of the, 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 the downsides of it? I think the ethos is really exciting. I mean, the, the idea that, that communities really can do um, these things, which are essentially a community right to build, the right to challenge, the right to bid. They, they basically say that if, if um, the community comes together and has a referendum around something like a building which was going to be sold, um, which might be a pub or something, it doesn't have to be a, a public building, um, bits of land and so on, then that community can really have a say in what's going to happen. Um, and there was also meant to be money that came down to support a lot of that. The challenge is that, certainly for us, the interpretation of what local is, and much of that has been district. So, so it's actually stopped at the level above us. And we have a, a, a very highly politicised um, district who are very short of money, as they all are. I mean, I do understand their problem. But they've creamed off the money and basically held the decisions at that at that level. So we've done the consultation. We've said what the people want or found what the people want. We've set everything up and then it doesn't happen. So at the moment, it's it's got stuck. And not surprisingly, in many ways, the government sort of moved on to things like, um, uh, you know, recession and, and um, fracking and whatnot. And they, they've kind of lost interest, I think. So it doesn't have the weight which it had as a um, from the from the top down to make this happen. I gave myself a treat the other day and read the UKIP European uh, Election Manifesto, <laughs> and one of the things that they have in there, which is kind of uh, which is interesting in terms of how it takes the idea of localism another a, a stage too far, I think, is that it says that local communities should have the power of referendum on everything, basically on on uh, wind farms, solar farms, any housing development, any development at all, if you can get 5% of people to say they want to have a referendum, then there should be a referendum. Which makes me think, actually, <coughs> that the piece that's missing is if you give people loads and loads of rights, but you don't give them the responsibilities that go with them in terms of national targets for cutting carbon, then it's just it's just doesn't make any sense at all. Absolutely. So actually, if you were to say, yes, you can have a referendum on planning, but in total over five years, those have to add up to a ten percent cut in carbon emissions over that period of time. You know, then you've got something quite different. I wonder what your thoughts were on the extent to which giving people decisions, power over local decisions, is wise or not. Now that's a very interesting point, and I, I, I'm I'm obviously I must read the document before I rush out and vote, which I haven't done yet. <laughs> There's <laughs> still time. There's still time. This whole thing of giving people power, it's also without information, isn't it? That people vote with their, um, I don't know, with their instincts. Or, or you know, that's, there's a real dilemma in there. And I went to a meeting on fly tipping the other night. 
um, because there's a particularly big issue of fly tipping in one area of the room. And for some people, the answer was close the road. You know, so so you think, but then they'll, it'll just move somewhere else. Yeah, but we don't care. You know, and it's so you've you've kind of got things like that to deal with. Partly, there's sort of you know, nimbyism at its um at its most uh, astute, which I suppose is what you get partly with uh, wind farms and and solar farms and so on. But also, a lot of these issues are complicated, aren't they? They they are difficult things that we have to get our heads around. And quite a lot of people elect people like me as a as a councillor, and then say, look, I trust you, Peter. Just you know, I, I I've elected you in order. To to make the decisions for you. I did it so I don't have to get read all these papers and, and get involved. And it's really difficult to find that point where you, you, you engage people enough so they actually understand the issues and can make the decisions and could take part in a referendum sensibly. Um, you know, and at the other extreme, you have um, a dysfunctional democracy like we have at the moment. So I don't, I don't see an easy answer, but, but giving that level of power to what would inevitably actually, at least initially, be a very few people who turned up would be deeply dangerous, I would say. Mm-hmm. And do so at the moment. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining Froome has a town council, a district council, and a county council. Correct. Do we need all those tiers? And if not, which ones should go? Uh, we don't, and we don't, and the district should go. In my view, it's it's now irrelevant. Actually, it's it's uh, not least because it has so few. It's got so few resources, um, and and much of what it does, they have. Um, sold off anyway so it's been privatized so all the street cleaning for instance is on a 10-year contract um, you know a, a lot of the other services which they used to provide they've sold off so they can't really do any, they're not doing anything with those anyway I mean probably technically they're managing them but they've they're effectively gone um, it seems to me they just cost money and and are um, completely unhelpful now certainly with us they're just another layer um, <clears throat> which which um, serves no useful function at all, as far as I can see. You've talked about how the how the powers of localism have helped what you've done in Froome and kind of given you new powers that you can do a lot with. What would and 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 how you know you, the you you see the work that you're doing there really as an extension of the of of the transition work that was that was happening before. What would more government? help and and more uh, better legislation what would need to change in order to help you deepen that work and move it further forward how 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 much further could government go to enable that i think there's a lot of it kind of links back to my last point really. there's a lot of training that people need a lot of confidence that they need to get that actually if they were to have the skills and if they were to participate and engage, that participation and engagement would lead to change, then people would get in, in, you know, they would do it. I think what's happened at the moment is that as everything's got sucked to the top, I'm not at all surprised that, you know, Russell Brand can say what he said and 11 million people can, can watch him and probably most of them agree, being, you know, that actually don't vote, it only encourages them. And that I think our system is collapsing from the top down and that what government could do is to is to give real powers to local people, but with the resources, um, partly to have an, an army, if you like, of, of facilitators and, um, uh, with, no, we're not allowed to do armies, are we? Um, with, um, with a large number of, um, of facilitators and well-trained people to, to, you know, to help people to help the community to make those decisions and to engage. We've lost those skills, I think, and we need to, to regain those skills, and the government could really help um, in training people, working with people to, to get them back again. And then what's crucially 
make sure that decisions that are made at a local level actually lead to real change because people will get pissed off really quickly if that doesn't happen. So what would your advice be to people who, who've been thinking, I wonder if we should do that, if we should get a few people together like they've done in Froome, what would your advice be to them? <laughs> well, my cocky advice would be read my book, Flat Pack Democracy. But, um, it's, I mean, I think there is a real moment, actually, uh, I mean, what the book set out to do is to try and, and help people to, to, to see how actually how easy it could be to take power at a local level and then um, really put in place some change quite quickly or very quickly. I think I think we are at a, a, a unique moment when particularly young people, uh, it's not, you know, although um, unemployment may be, may be falling, there are vast numbers of young people who are either unemployed or underemployed. And if they are, continue to be totally disenfranchised, as they effectively are now, well, not totally, but really have a, a deep cynicism from the system, we've we set up something which is potentially really explosive. Um, so I think there's a, a real need, but there's also a real opportunity to bring, bring, particularly to bring younger people into the system and to, to running things like councils. The mayor who I just replaced was um, 21 when he took over and he's done a fantastic job. And, and there's no reason why young people shouldn't be much more engaged than they are. Um, I'm rambling around a number of points here, but I, and I, I, th I think that there is a moment, particularly with, with um, social media as it is, where, where cheaply, quickly and easily new bunches of people can come in at the bottom level and make things change. There's councils up and down the country are doing, doing what they do, but there's all these powers that they have and strikes me that what you've done in Froome is really imaginative and bold and creative and town councils up and down the country aren't renowned for being bold and passionate and creative. Is there a way that we can, uh, they can have an injection of that? How, how can we get these ideas into councils? Well, hopefully Froome and, and other places, because we're not alone, can be, ex can be examples and, and things do spread quite quickly. Again, I think it's a social media thing. Something like um, the Incredible Edible, which I know wasn't a council idea, can spread quickly. Transition towns, blimey, you know, world domination in only a few years. So I think I think good models can spread quickly. And that the effect of somewhere that is functioning, you know, being being put out there, is that it, it puts pressure on those that aren't functioning. See what I mean? So so. It, um, other councils and other groups of people are going to think, or hopefully will think, well, oh, why not us? And then, I mean, that's definitely happening in the conversations that I have. I've had you know, a, a significant number of conversations now with people basically, well, asking for support and advice and will you come and talk to us and, and so on, who, who wants to do similar things. And we'll come to this, um, you know, talking a bit more later about um, you know, the transition town movement, because I, I think that that's the same thing, really. A lot of what the transition town movement are doing and transition groups is sort of parallel democracy really mm. and that puts a huge pressure on um on town councils to to up their game and the advantage of a town council of course is that you have access to money and um, which it, it, you know a transition group doesn't necessarily have or certainly doesn't have in the regular way that a parish or town council does so there's a real um there's real potential in there i think for the two working together um, to lead to a, a really significant evolution or revolution. 